Good afternoon and welcome to today's COSIDA webinar. Over the next hour, we're going to continue discussions as part of the racial and social justice series with another critical conversation, crafting and communicating the messages of a university diversity plan. We are pleased to offer the third live webinar as part of, COS of the COSIDA for Change series, which began back in July. I am Amy Yacola and I will serve as today's moderator and it's my privilege to be joined by an outstanding group of presenters, Dr. Derek Gregg, Jennifer Jones, and Dr. Renee Miles-Payne. I know everyone is ready to jump in, so let me provide a few housekeeping items and then we'll get this event going. First, we appreciate everyone taking time to join in this important conversation. As a reminder, the on-demand webinar will be posted later today on cosida.com and COSIDA's YouTube channel. It will also be available via podcast, and you'll be able to download it from the services listed at COSIDA.com. Please invite your colleagues to listen and watch this and all of COSIDA's past webinars, which are free to everyone. Thanks to all who have submitted questions in advance. We encourage you to submit any questions you might have as we go throughout today's conversation. Place your questions in the chat box and your questions will be addressed throughout our time. If we have any questions which we cannot get to, we'll make sure to answer them offline and provide those responses to everyone. Now, let's have each presenter take a minute to provide us with a snapshot of themselves and then we'll turn our attention to questions. Derek, let's get things started with you. Thank you and I appreciate being invited to be on today. And uh, a lot of you know me as a lifelong administrator. I've been on campus, six different institutions the last six, uh, 26 years. The last 14 as athletic director at Eastern Michigan University and the University of Tulsa. And I was recently named the Senior Vice President for Inclusion, Education and Community Engagement at the NCAA. And so it's after 26 years of fighting a good fight on campus, I'm, I'm looking forward to this new chapter in life and, and continuing to fight the good fight from another level. So again, thank you. And I'm looking forward to the conversation. Wonderful. Thanks, Derek. Jennifer, let's uh, hear from you. Oh, you're on mute, Jen. I should have learned. I should have learned. Uh, Jennifer Jones, Birmingham Southern College in Birmingham, Alabama. I am assistant AD for external relations. This is my fifth year at BSC and geez, 12th, golly, time flies, 12th year <laughs> in the business. Um, here I am in charge of everything. I'm a one woman shop. So that's athletic communications, marketing, video production, graphic design, uh, game day ops, concessions, everything. Um, I'm also the leader of our brand spanking new group in athletics called Panther Athletics Community Inclusion and Diversity, um, which is tasked with integrating the athletic department in our neighboring community, communities and making sure we're dealing with issues of diversity within the department and um, co-programming with the campus as well. I am also the co-chair of the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Committee on campus here, and that committee is comprised of four faculty, four staff, and our student diversity and inclusion coordinator um, as ex officio. Um, I'm also the advisor for <laughs> Identity, which is a brand new LGBT plus BIPOC student organization on campus. Um, proud member of BC SIDA, and uh, on the COSADA Job Seekers Board or Job Seekers Committee. <laughs> Wonderful. Thanks, Jen. 
let's uh, let's hear from Renee. Good afternoon, everybody. Um, Dr. Renee Miles Payne. I am the Senior Associate Athletic Director and Chief. Uh, I was almost said Chief Operating Officer. That was my former job. Um, but Chief Diversity Officer here in the Athletic Department at the University of Miami. I've been here uh, approximately one year and um, have spent about 22 years um, in this business of athletics. So I'm glad to be here today. Well, there's no question we've got uh, some amazing people today. And I know that uh, I know everybody, especially myself, is is uh, going to learn a lot. Renee, I want to I want to start with you and and just kind of again, just from a 50,000 foot perspective, define diversity, define what that means, what, what we're talking about here today. So I've, I've had this um, little quote that was described to me, how you talk about diversity and when you tag on the inclusion piece. Diversity just by itself is our differences, you know, our uniqueness um, as individuals. But when you tag that inclusion piece onto it, um, it was described to me as, you know, diversity is inviting you to the dance. Inclusion is asking me, asking me to dance. So I can, you can, I can be there at the party, but inclusion is allowing me to get a partner and go out there on the dance floor and, and, and shake a rug, you know, and, and enjoy myself. So that's the inclusion. So we, they always partner inclusion with the diversity because it takes both. I love that. I love that. Jennifer, you uh, you obviously are are doing a lot of different things, and you've got a lot of different committees you're a part of. Maybe add on to that. Give give us some thoughts uh, in terms of your experiences and and kind of that definition of diversity um, from your your perspective. Yeah. So for us here, uh, I was actually a part of the group who formed the our diversity, equity, and inclusion committee here on campus. And for us it wasn't just going to be about diversity and inclusion. We decided to add equity um, because we are a PWI here as a predominantly white institution. So it was a matter of also making sure that we were giving equal treatment to not just issues of LGBT plus or race, but also accessibility and disabilities and just trying to make sure that we were aware of those kinds of issues as well. Great. Derek, let's segue a little bit into sort of, again, the audience that we have here today and, and the role that, that communicators can play. You've obviously been a number of different uh, places and getting started here from a, a, a different perspective now at the NCAA, but along the way, what kind of things should people be thinking about as their role of communicators and, and how important that is? Well, I think right now, and uh, I'm not on mute, am I? Can you hear me? Yep. Fantastic. I think the communicators need to do a great job of stressing the voice of the student athlete. And I know we're gonna get into that. And we all have to be communicators. You can't just have this responsibility uh, lie on like Renee. She is the designated diversity officer within the athletic department. We all have to be invested in this. And, and as a former stu uh, student athlete, a former athletic director, I understand the importance of athletic directors in particular helping be communicators and spreading the right messages because when the boss is very involved in things it tends to draw everybody else in so but at the end of the day we really have to communicate with the student athletes and i know we're going to talk about that a little bit as well and i want to go back to the diversity piece i'll add something to that uh, renee did a good job of distinguishing the two diversity and inclusion are very different and as she said being invited to the party 
uh, and having been someone who's a pioneer, who's been the first or the only, and I know I'm not the only person on this call or in the audience that's been that way. Um, being in the room, I think the NCA and the membership, we've done a good job of that. You can see that just from numbers alone. You can see that there are much more women involved in college athletics these days, especially on the senior level. Uh, but we have to concentrate on women of color and, and making sure that people, when you're in the room, are you invited? Are your opinions, those are being taken uh, seriously? Do you really get to participate? Or are you in the the room as at the kiddie table as we do with the holidays. You know, you want to be at the big table and you want to be included. So uh, I'm glad she made that distinguished uh, difference. Thanks, Amy, Derek. Can, uh, Amy, yeah. let me add to what Derek said about the crafting the message and give an example of how how important you guys' job and role is. And it's so at the University of Miami, we decided to uh, allow the students to do social justice messages on their uniforms or t-shirts or whatever they were going to do. And so when we got ready to do that, they they chose all student athletes, about 300 of them chose like five messages that they wanted to use throughout the year. Um, after that, what I did in my role, along with our communications person, um, we I gave them the talking points. So the kids are going to be asked. At, in media, you know, at their post post game conferences, you know, what what are you what what are you uh, what does that shirt mean? Why do you have that Black Lives Matter on? What's the say their name mean? Equality. Why you guys all have on that shirt? So I did. Um, I crafted the messages for each of those social justice messages for the coaches, the student athletes. And specifically the athletic director, because he's also in the box with donors who also may not believe in what the students want to do. So it's critical that when this movement is happening, that people on the communication side see this as a moment to step up to the plate and craft the messaging around it so we can get the right message out that Black Lives Matter is not a cult, but it's an organization. And the students really wanted that as well. So we're also, you're also giving the students talking points to be able to speak in their, in their, in their post-game uh, uh, interviews. That's a really good point. I, I wanna unpack a little bit more, I think Derek, what you said sort of, you know, being at the table, being heard, but what if you're not at the table right now, right? Like, so Jennifer and Derek and Renee, you guys are at the table. If somebody's on this call that's not at the table, what would you encourage them in terms of the contributions that they could make um, to, to, to move that along a little bit, to be more considered, to be more, um, have their voices um, be heard? And, and Jennifer, let's start with you real quick. So one thing that you definitely can do is figure out who you can connect with, who's at the table, who you can get in contact with, start a relationship with, so at least you have somebody's ear and maybe then an invitation to the table. You can even start off as a second behind the table, as long as you build, it all starts with building a relationship with people who are in the room. And, and I'll add to that. Absolutely. I'll add to that. That's, what she's talking about is the connecting with what I call champions. So find a champion that you can connect with. And like she said, that's already at the table or a step above you or a couple of steps. Because right now, 
I think people are a lot more sensitive to listening to everyone, to everyone's opinion. I don't think it was like that five, 10 years ago, but right now I think is a time that is a critical time and that everybody is listening or at least trying to listen a little bit different. So I think you'll find it, don't be intimidated by people who may be ahead of you in the, in the chain of command and those types of things, because I think they want to hear what you have to say. And Amy, I'll, I'll add that, you know, what value can you bring right now? Because this work, you know, Derek said five years ago, I'm gonna say a year ago, nobody was just in this work like they are now. And so this is technically new for most people and most, most departments and specifically athletics. So what value can you add right now? So if you know you're good at doing a website, web, you know, but you're not probably, that's not your normal job at your job now, and you can add that to, you can be, you, you can be a value add to the person working with, that's what I did. Someone in our department who's not on the communication staff, but they're good at doing websites, they're working on the web page that will go on the MiamiHurricanes.com website. So there are, there are skills that you might be able to bring to the table um, that when you make that relationship with that champion that is at the table, that can help you. Yeah. And Renee, I want to stick, stick with you on this one, but talk a little bit more about those relationships. Why are they so key? And, and again, then I, I want to continue uh, to, to ask the same question of, of Derek and Jennifer, because I think all of us have had many conversations leading up to this about relationships and how key those are. So talk a little bit more about that and the importance. So I, I, I think because you are in a position, I was myself in a position of making decisions. The decision makers uh, are the people you need to be connected with somehow. Again, you're probably not going to um, get your, you know, your great idea that you had um, two years ago on the table right now, but developing that relationship right now is going to be critical for you moving forward. And where do you want to go? This is an awesome time, in my opinion, for young uh, administrators in this business to gain a great experience because we don't have all the time. I don't have all the time in the world to dedicate to these spaces. So even I'm using them to write, help me write curriculum for different sessions because you may be interested in, you know, the, the, the Muslim religion. Help me write the curriculum and then be able to articulate it and do a session on it for our, for our staff because Renee Miles Payne doesn't have time to write that piece and pull that together, but there may be an interest that you have and you develop that relationship with me and prove to me that you can do it. Now you're on Front Street, you're on the Zoom, you're the one leading and, and talking and I'm helping coach you up to be able to do that. Jennifer, let's go to you. I'll piggyback a little bit off of what um, Derek said. You can't be afraid of people who are above you in the food chain. You can't be afraid of them. I think you, for me, I got started um, with just a faculty member across campus. I don't know if anybody else is like me. I'm in athletics, I'm in my own world. It's own, my own little cave is my office. I never really see people across campus. So the first step was to get out and get across campus and start meeting some people. 
Um, and I met a faculty member who was involved in diversity issues when they were a student at the, at the institution. And they put me in contact with the people who started the movement and the process when everything was going. And that's why I got in on the, the grassroots level because of the relationships I had with the people I met across campus. So don't be afraid to step out of your comfort zone, step out of your box, step out of your world, and just be interested in some of the other things going on. Derek, I want to give you a chance to answer, but I want to add a little tweak to the to the question is, you know, you, as somebody that sat in the AD chair and is now, um, you know, heading to Indy and, and well, is into Indy now and sort of as you're starting, starting your role there, what are you looking also for from the staff that you're going to have in terms of, you know, their initiatives and relationships uh, on this topic with you? Well, and I have a great staff here and, and starting with Dr. Amy Wilson and, and Dee Dee Merritt, and they've had a lot of programming going on prior to me. And I've always been involved from the other side as an AD. I've always been asked to be involved with coaches academies and pathway programs as an AD mentor, because face it, it's just not a lot of people of color in this position. And so I always used to joke with them when they'd ask me that. I, I know they'd ask Gene Smith first and he'd be busy because he's doing all these other things and all these committees. And then they'd ask Ward Manuel, and then he'd say no, because he's doing all these other, and then they come to me. But um, but uh, all kidding aside, I've been very, very involved with a lot of the programs and, and they are very important. And in my area, we have inclusion obviously, but a lot of people, they basically look at inclusion as just being people of color, but it's also women, it's student athletes with disabilities, it's the LGBTQ community and also international student athletes fall in that. So it's a lot of people in, involved in the underrepresented uh, people category. And then under D, and that's under Amy, under DD is leadership development. And that's where you have the Coaches Academies, Pathways Programs, student athlete development programs, which are very critical. What we wanna do is take more of these things onto campus. Once we get past COVID, obviously we can't do a lot. And you mentioned me being in the, the national office. This office, I'm sitting in it right now, there are 500 plus people who work here and I'm probably one of five or six people who are in the building today. So things are totally different right now. I think we all understand that. But once we get things back to normal or whatever that's going to mean where we can really travel and interact with people, we're going to take a lot of this programming onto the campuses. So that's some of the new, the newer parts of what we're going to be doing. That's great. So we've talked a lot about relationships and communication, right? We all know that those are cornerstones, but I think there's also this, you know, the, the actual crafting of a, of a diversity plan or diversity and inclusion plan. They're, they're sort of, again, getting the meat on the, on the page and on the documents and sort of what, what is your plan? Let, let's talk a little bit about that and, um, and, and kind of your thoughts on, uh, on that aspect. And, and Renee, let's, let's start with you, if you don't mind, in terms of you know, what's the first step in crafting a diversity plan? Who should be included? What are the sort of, let's get it, let's, let's get started. Yeah, so one, if you haven't done so already, just making sure that you assess your culture. Uh, what, what's your current situation? If you can afford a climate survey, I would highly, highly recommend doing that. Um, if you haven't, um, you can reach out to me. I can give you some questions to make sure you put on there to, to help you um, assess uh, your current situation. But what's the temperature like in your department right now um, for, for this? What's the greatest need? Then what's your approach in developing? I mean, um, do you want a committee? Do you want one person? 
Um, how are you going to spread the, you know what I'm saying, the wealth of this? And, and I don't per se call it even writing a plan. Nobody has time to put together no dissertation on diversity and inclusion right now. We are, we, we are in it right now. So I, I say do it like an instruction manual. You know, how, whatever it takes to bake a cake, that's how you write a diversity inclusion plan right now. That is, that is to, to me, that is what, what we have time to do. Um, and it has to be actionable, actionable stuff, visible results. Um, and then make sure it's aligned with the leadership. So I didn't just craft this plan and put it together and then just say, hey, University of Miami staff, this is what we're doing. No, no, no. Blake James and I had a conversation to make certain that it was aligned with his expectations of what he wanted to see um, out of the department. And it, it fits because everybody's plan. You can't just take what we have at the University of Miami and give it to Birmingham Southern and they do the same thing. It needs to fit uh, and be customized for your institution and then make sure, you know, what's happening across, across campus and, and, and include them as well. So that's a perfect segue. I, I want to, I want to turn attention to Jen and, and let her talk about that campus perspective, right? There's, there's what you're doing living right there in, in, in your athletic department, but talk about the institutional part as well, Jen, and what the importance is there. So unfortunately, there is a little bit of a disconnect, I think, um, and I don't really, actually, I don't really know why, but athletics does exist in its own world. Um, we're basically like a, an army base sitting on campus half the time. We're insulated. We have our own operations of things. And so getting out of athletics to start the process across campus has helped me immeasurably in bringing some of that into athletics and bringing those relationships with me into athletics and those connections into athletics because you don't have to and, and Renee alluded to it you got to know where you're starting from but you don't have to be an expert in diversity and inclusion there are a lot of people who are already in the field in the world doing the work that you can lean on to help you build actionable stuff that you can actually achieve for your institution so for me being out in campus, I was able to really build my relationship with, actually I hired, I was on the hiring committee for our student diversity and inclusion <laughs> co-director, um, but having that relationship with her means that I now have access to grants I didn't know about before. I have access to um, potential workshops that I didn't know about before, and it's not something that I have to take out of my busy day to do research on and try to find. Sounds like there's definitely great synergies when when you can make that connection. Derek, you you talked about it, you touched on it a little bit on on the front end, but let's talk about student athletes. Let's talk about their involvement. Let's talk about the importance of that. I'm going to start with you, but I definitely want to give uh, Renee and, and Jennifer a chance to answer this as well. But the role of the student athlete. Absolutely, and I've been talking to student athletes, a lot of them in the past few months, just like a lot of people have. And I think we're we're almost surprised by what they have to say, because what we're realizing getting back to the relationship piece is not I would say the majority of at least the ones and I can only speak for the ones that I've been engaged with don't feel like they have the proper relationships with coaches or administrators. And so I think some of the conversations that we've had have been very difficult. They've been uneasy. They've been uncomfortable, but they've been very necessary. So 
I encourage all of the administrators out there, coaches in particular, coaches also, to continue to dialogue and listen to what the student athletes say. Now, when you get into crafting these plans and, and you need to have, and like Renee said, you have to move at warp speed and you have to have action plans. And I was chairing the, the racial equality action group for the conference before I shifted into this role. And we made sure that action, uh, I commend Michael Resco, the commissioner there for putting that word in there because we understand that we can't have your normal plan right now. A plan that you do, you devise usually just sits on a shelf. And the next time you have some type of certification process, three, four, five years, you pull out the plan and you look and try to see, well, maybe we did some things. On this, we're gonna have to be a lot more accountable because the student athletes getting back to them, they're holding us accountable. They wanna make sure things happen. And if we don't make those things happen, there's going to be, I think, more uh, challenging times. And, and by and large, the student athletes aren't asking for anything that's too difficult to give them. But I just think until this time and in, in this place, this era that we're in, there's been a focus on a lot of other things. So I think they're gonna hold us accountable to getting back to the things that they really need to focus on. And we have to make sure that we have action steps with whatever plan you come up with, make sure you do something. Renee, you, you already gave the example of sort of what happened with the University of Miami and, and the decision to, to put um, you know, names and phrases and, and items on, on their jerseys and kind of your, what you went through to do that. What, what happens or what, is your, um, what are your thoughts on, on schools? I see it in the chat for student athletes that, that want to go down the road of social justice initiatives and efforts at their institution, but, but maybe aren't, aren't that conversation isn't happening yet. What would be your recommendation on that or how a communications person can help navigate that student athlete, whether it's with the coach or the administration? You know, Amy, for whoever asked that, in this current climate, if an AD or administration is not having those type of conversations with students, that's a, there's a problem. I mean, I'm just, I'm being honest. I, there, I, I don't know anybody who doesn't have students right now, whether it's in private or what, is not bringing up some, and this is not just students of color. There are, there are white students that are upset, that are, that are literally like, what is going on in this country? And how can I be a part of changing that? Our quarterback here, Derek King, and our linebacker, Ryan Ragone, a white guy and a black guy, get on an IG live um, several months ago because they had they were having this discussion, but they wanted everybody to hear this 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 discussion. And and so I, I think if, if they're not the conversations are not being had right right now with administration and, and ADs, then there is definitely a disconnect and, and, and a problem. Honestly, the students are carrying the water for us right now. Um, I, I, use, I mean, and I'm not saying this in a bad way. I use the students to move the agenda items because we, Derek, I mean, Jennifer too, but I know we've been in this game a minute talking about this topic and it had moved an inch in our, in our, in our profession. Now that the student athlete have spoken up and asked the question and pointed the finger to us to say, what are y'all doing? 
and will come by the office when they're not supposed to be in the building knocking on the door to see if you there asking you what projects okay what's the next thing did, did we get the voter registration done this week so again if they're not conversations being had with the administration and student between the administration and students right now there's a definitely a disconnect so using the students to carry the water for us has been the best use uh, of this moment Jennifer, I want to give you the opportunity as well with, with student-athletes and your experience and all of that. Please uh, let us hear from you. So mine's a little more recent. Um, you're making me realize everything that I do. Maybe I should start saying no. Um, I am the advisor to SAC. And <laughs> as a part of that, um, one of my goals with them is to make sure that they understand their power. On our campus, the student-athletes account for over a third on average, over a third of the enrollment on campus. And this year, uh, I think we're at 40 something percent. So they comprise a huge portion and the stuff that matters to them and the issues that matter to them, they have a really big voice. Um, on campus here, we actually had a task force that got formed because something happened in a frat house and the students of color on campus were livid, the allies were livid, they actually stormed the board of trustees meeting uninvited when president was in the middle of speaking. And because of that and because of their display, we actually had things start to happen. And there were a good number of students who did that. And I don't use that as an example to the SAC. I really don't. But I, I try to make sure that they understand you have you have power in your voice. There are so many of you. If there's something that is really important to you, the president will listen, the vice presidents will listen, the board of trustees will listen. You just have to come up with a plan and it has to come from you. Yeah, and I think there's no one more. Let me add one more thing to that. I know because communications people, you are history boss most of the time. And you know, go back and look at the University of Missouri football um, protests mm -hmm. years ago. This week, this just hasn't started, but this started this started several years ago. I think that is a really good plan for how we need to look look at this. I mean, the University of Missouri football um, got involved in that protest on campus and it led to a whole lot of other things, but I wanted to throw that out so people had some some point of reference um, that's not today, it's not current. Yeah, and I think certainly, you know, I don't think there's any question that the voices of our student athletes and the platform that they have and, and moving this discussion in a positive way, there's so many examples of that and that's, that's good information to share with folks for sure. D Derek, I wanna transition a little bit into, we've talked a lot about the institutional level, right? We've talked about the the um, athletic department and then the the institutional side. Let's uh, let's spend a minute talking about sort of the conference perspective. You brought up, you know, the AAC and some of the things they've done. You know, selfishly, Renee, I want to give you a chance to talk about the the you know the ACC and core that's been created. Um, the the stuff at the NCA has been mentioned, and Jennifer, gosh, you you. Again, you may need to start saying no because you probably got a whole bunch of other things to add to this too. But Derek, get us kicked off on, on that topic of sort of that once you get past your institution, the conference perspective and the greater association. Right. And and when you get into the conference level and then on the NCA level, I've been stressing this the last few days, you get further and further removed from the student athletes and the coaches. So when you start at the, the center with the student athletes, then you build to the coaches. 
and then the, the administration in the athletic department, then you have the president and the board, you have boosters and, and everybody who's involved, alumni. Then you get to the conference area level, you're probably about five or six levels removed from the student athlete. So what we have to concentrate on is getting more synergy with the conference offices and the universities and then the NCAA included. And when you think of all the, and Renee, you've probably been to a lot of SWA meetings and, um, and, and it sounds like Jennifer has been to a ton of things. So when you, have, when you have the meetings with the athletic directors and then the conference offices come in, the NCAA comes in, you usually have enforcement that comes in, usually have uh, Kevin Lennon comes in and does a lot of educational talk and a lot of things about what's going on in the membership, but you've never had the person in the role that I'm in now, which has existed since the early 2000s, by the way, this isn't a new position. Some people think it's newly created. It's not. It's it's um, it's been here, but that person has usually not come to these conference meetings. So sometimes you don't even know who that person is. And so when I was asked to chair the the, the racial action group for the conference, one of the things that I said, what I thought would be key is a committee member needed to be at least one person that came from the DNI space on campus because if somebody mentioned earlier, those are the experts, those are the practitioners, those are the people who have a lot of experience in this area and can guide us. So don't forget about the people who are very, very important. And we have to try to tie a lot of those people together. So that's another new initiative that we wanna take forth is having much more synergy, much more conversation with the conference offices, conference SAC groups and those types of things. Renee, let's kick it over to you. Give your feedback on that that aspect. So the ACC has a um, group within it called CORE, uh, Champions of Racial e Equity or Equality. Um, and um, we've been meeting now for, I think, for the last maybe four, four to six weeks. And um, they're, they're representatives of each of the 15 um, ACC institutions who meet and discuss the path forward um, in this in this space of um, racial justice on our, each of our campuses. One of the wonderful things about that is that we all compete against each other on the on the field and the courts and stuff. But when we get in that on that Zoom call, I was going to say in the room, but when we get in that on that call, we're all friends. We're all trying to achieve the same thing. And something you know amazing that came out of it that's already done is that we have decided that racial justice is our theme for the year. We any all of our topics, everything we're focused on this year is going to be focused in on racial justice. We will talk about the other things as we go on. The, the committee will remain and always be a part of the governing structure of the conference. But racial justice is the theme this year. And we are going to also have um, attestations that each of our institutions, 100% of our people have gone through some type of diversity training or discussions um, um, through, by April. And so knowing that that is a part of what the conference, you know, Commissioner Swafford has said, this is important enough to all 15 of our institutions. Racial justice is that important we're going to check it off. Just like we all have to do sexual assault training every year, and the president has to attest to it to the NCAA, we're saying in, in the ACC that we're also going to attest to diversity and inclusion training. 
Thanks, Jennifer, from, from, from your chair and your seat, talk a little bit about, again, you've obviously got significant uh, relationships, I'm sure at other schools and, and conference-wise and, and association-wise, talk a little bit about this, uh, this topic from your, from your perspective. Um, I, I think I'm actually going to piggyback a little bit on what Renee was just saying, kind of expand on that a little bit um, in terms of, yes, we have these annual trainings that we have to have that we're required to have from the NCAA. Um, and you really should attempt to have a training available for diversity and inclusion, whether it's, as I won't say simple, but as, as, uh, as LGBT plus, like a safe zone, a safe space training. Because um, I mean, here, one of the things that we actually worked on really hard was to bring back the program. I had I was one of the last classes four years ago. And and so this year we actually golly, I'm a safe zone facilitator. I'm a trainer. Um, we started doing trainers for trainings for faculty and staff and we're having a student training, student leader training um, next week, but that's just to get the tip of the iceberg, start getting information out there. Um, see, again, those relationships you can build across campus with people in diversity and inclusion. Find out if there's other workshops and trainings that you can bring in that you don't have to facilitate, that you don't have to be involved in, and that you can just co-program with them. But no, I think it's really important to take the first steps in building something that you can do annually that's going to help benefit people year to year. Thank you. Thanks. Appreciate that. Uh, I hey, want to transition. Amy, uh, let yeah. me just make sure I make this point too for you guys is that the NCAA just passed a legislation for diversity, equity, and inclusion reviews. It, you know, August, it went into effect uh, August 1st. That's why you, you started seeing all the ADID designations, but it's also a review. So this is not just uh, the feel good it's also legislated so that that diversity and inclusion is, is a part of what we do so i want to i want to transition a little bit into to some some takeaways right as you just said renee this is you know this is not something that is a feel good we're going to do this for a month right i think all of you have been involved in this for for a lengthy period of time but that's the hope is that, that that's just going to become more the general practice right and so you know I want to open it up to talk a little bit about some of the programming events and and the beneficial programming things that maybe you guys have seen or or been associated with that 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 you would suggest and and maybe some of them that aren't costly but some some ideas that people can take away that are on today's call related to to that to the programming and beneficial events. Um, I'll start. There's, I mean, I'm in Birmingham and it's a, it's actually a really big city considering I'm, it's in Alabama, but it's, it's a big city and we have a lot of resources in town for uh, people of color, for LGBT plus community organizations that are nonprofits that hold events and do things all the time. I would recommend that you talk with folks across campus and who already have relationships with them find out who the coordinators are, the directors of these groups are, and have conversations with them about things that they can bring to campus to, um, to help you out because they already exist and we are working on building better relationships with them so our students know that they can go to them and, and not necessarily take us out of it, but at least let us be a better resource for the students and shuffling them towards people who can help. Um, I'll go. So, 
this kind of goes into the execution of your diversity and inclusion plan. So, you know, I would say one, if if you don't have the aptitude for this, you know, work, as Jennifer said, use your resources, you know, on campus. Bring people in to assist um, and, and help. You may be the person, the face, the leader on your on your campus or in your department rather, but um, if you are not versed in this work, then definitely get some assistance and, and, and some um, expert advice. Um, and then your attitude in executing the plan is, is key. Um, you can't lead this work angry, frustrated, um, and be effective at it. You have to be understanding, you have to be compassionate, you have to be empathetic. You must be prepared for the, the crazy question that you get and, and be able to answer that with, with empathy um, um, and compassion. Um, we were fortunate to, again, because I've been doing this work since about 2011, um, you know, I have plans, you know, so it's, but it's what works with it in each institution. So you have to craft something different for, for each place. And so at, here at the University of Miami, something that was great that we did starting in the summer when kind of this focal point kind of hit us back in May, um, we started, we did a nine week um, educational session using a, a program, it's a, it's, it's a webinar, I'll say webinar video series uh, called Race, the Power of an Illusion. And we moved through that in about a nine week period. It's three videos and we, 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 we talked about topics one week, they watched the video the second week, then after the after action of watching the video discussion. So the pro is already kind of made up for you. You don't have to do a whole lot of work um, in it. The piece that's clear, it, it has to be clear though, is what is your department willing to take on or, 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 or talk about? And so I, I had um, Felicia Tunay, our learning specialist, who's also a professor on campus in the uh, sociology department, whose who's research is in race and, and critical theory. And she um, and I worked together to pull together our conversations and our discussions. And um, we had 87% um, participation in our department. So we only got 13% of people we need to get attested in our conference to, um, to, to meet, to meet the, the goal. But programming can be uncostly, can be simple, and, and you don't have to bring in a $10,000 speaker because a speaker comes and leaves and nobody gets any, you know, anything better or any, get any better from that all, all the time. You need somebody that's kind of helping move all the time within your department. I act like an ombudsman in our department when it comes to diversity and inclusion. So things that are happening in the department, it might drop on my desk for me to help mitigate, um, figure out to, to, to assist. So bringing in speakers is great. Don't get me wrong. I don't want anybody to leave this webinar and thinking I said, don't hire speakers to come in. That is not what I'm saying. They're great. What I'm saying is, is who is going to be in the weeds doing the work after the speaker leaves? Because it can't just be one and done. It has to be ongoing work and ongoing programming. 
And, and I'll add to that really quickly. I know we're getting close to the, the end of our time, but the speakers you bring in, what we expose your student athletes to the history of your program and your coaches as well. So bring in some of your pioneer uh, former student athletes, the first female, the first uh, person of color, the first you know black football player, because a lot of times we still have a lot of those people who are still around or who are closely connected to those eras because it's an educational thing. So the student athletes, sometimes they feel certain ways about what they may not get or um, what they're not privy to. But when they talk to people who really had to be first in the door, I think it changes their perspective on what's being provided to them. So it's an educational thing both ways. It also helps draw somebody back into a program that may feel like they're not a part of the program because of the experience that they've been through. And then quickly also, when you go into these cities, when you go into Birmingham, when you go into Memphis, when you go into Washington, D.C. in particular, take these student athletes to those great museums, the Lorraine Motel, the Museum of Civil Rights downtown in Birmingham, where the 16th Avenue Baptist Church is. Please don't miss the African-American Museum in, in Washington, D.C. if you get into that area. So use the and, and it's not and that's a free museum. Uh, and so you don't have to even pay anything to get into it. So find different ways to expose your student athletes and your coaches to the, the history of this culture, uh, country, to more culture and, and there within your own programs. It's terrific advice from all three of you. Um, we are uh, we are right at 2.45. I do want to remind folks that if, if they do have a question that they want to address, please do put it in the chat. Um, speaking of that, I want to go a little bit uh, more granular in terms of the uh, the messaging, right? One of the questions in the chat is how, how can athletic communicators help their campus counterparts when crafting messages? Renee, you spoke a little bit about this earlier. It was it was great advice, and I think you understand the importance of the communication and the importance of rolling that out. Jennifer, let me start with you and your experience of that. Obviously, you, as you said earlier, kind of a one man shop. But how do you how do you navigate that at, at, at your place? Uh, I try really hard not to be territorial, and I think and that's uh, I think it's an instinct of folks. Like I said, we're we're insulated a little bit in athletics. We have our own stuff. We focus on a lot of our own stuff. But when it's an issue that affects not just student athletes but the student body at large, it's an opportunity to bridge the gap with college or university communications and have a conversation of well, let's do a joint statement or saying, hey, here's our statement. Do you want to co-sign on this? Is there stuff like that you wanna you wanna bridge off of? And being open to sharing things. I think when it's an issue like this that affects everybody, you can't be territorial, even if it is personal to you you have to you have to be open to having open communication with them Derek if I'd love to hear from you and, and your perspective again around that messaging and the importance of of, of, of that in the day-to-day -day world we're living in yeah again uh, messaging is very important and there are a lot of uh, different opinions obviously some things are divisive but I keep going back to the student athletes. That's what we're in this for. And I think people lose perspective when we start messaging things that are personal to us. Me having been at the top of an athletic department, you have to be diplomatic, you know, and, and sometimes you do have to take a stance, but you really have to find out what the student athletes are feeling. And in particular, the Black Lives Matter, which was brought up earlier, is divisive. Some people say, well, it's a Marxist organization. But it's also a slogan and it's something that people are rallying around and it's it's difficult i've said this a lot of times don't try to spin the narrative all the time all lives matter obviously 
but what's going on and what we've seen and what our student athletes are seeing is young people of color being shot down in the street, uh, mistreated and a lot of those types of things. So when they say Black Lives Matter, when you counter it with something else, that just throws things off track. And that's what gets us even more divided. So uh, I, I know a lot of people have a, a lot of different opinions about that. But at the end of the day, when you really go into what the student athletes are asking, what, what they are asking us to do, let's focus on that and not focus so much on what our messaging is or what we think so much. Because at the end of the day, the athletes, the student athletes, like Renee said, they're driving this thing. And they're driving in a lot of different ways from a social justice, racial social justice standpoint. Also, they are, uh, by and large, the economic engine that we all are involved in. And, and from an athletic administrator in particular, I say this all the time, you know, a lot of us have been able to build great careers off of the blood, sweat and tears of these student athletes. And for me, I've been one and, and I know what that feels like. So that's why I continue to, to be very involved with them. And I wanna hear how they wanna message things. Renee, I, I wanna certainly let you chime in. I know you offered a lot about that on the, on the front end. Um, speaking about Miami, but there is a question specific for you about the student athletes, football players. Did they did they ask you for talking points to help with media inquiries, um, or did the athletic department offer this? If so, was that welcomed by the student athletes? Was there a concern from the student athletes that the responses were being forced on them? Talk a little bit about. It's a great question about you know sort of helping them and helping them understand the questions are coming from media, but but also not overstepping so that's a that's a great question we'd love to hear how you balanced it yeah that's great um basically the messages that i gave them were welcomed um we knew based on some information intel that we already had that when they decided to wear these shirts um that there was going to be some negativity that came, that came from it so it was more so let's be on the front end of making sure that they are not caught off guard because these are still children, you know? We still got to protect them. They can, they can, they might say something out of whack in one of those, in one of those interviews and totally dismantle the movement that is occurring and no one feel attached to it anymore. So it it was welcomed. The the coaches were 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 you know, you know, just really happy about it. But what I gave them wasn't, I just put it in your own words, but here is the, the, the meaning behind, just say I use Black Lives Matters, that's what we've been using, um, that, you know, my brother life, my, my brother's life matters. I mean, period, that, that's it. If, if I was a white, and I said it, I'd say if you were a white football player and you're, you know, you're playing with this guy every day, Basically, all you're saying is, is this is my brother and his life matters. That's it. You don't have I said you don't have to say any more to that. Um, and so I just gave them little sticking points like that to help them, you know, and if they wanted to say more about it, you know, I love this guy. You know, we go and we're in the trenches together. The O-line had their own little, you know, thing. Like we're in the trenches together and we're in the trenches together all the time, no matter what color he is. You know, and so they they came, they did their own thing um, at at the end of the day. But it was welcome. It was it was needed um, because think about it. A lot of our administrators don't know what to say, 
so they so they needed so they needed some direction around it i think we would all agree that preparation is important no matter what what you're talking about right you you want to at least try to run the traps on everything to think through to your point what's a student athlete going to be asked what's a coach going to be asked what's an administrator going to be asked 100% that's great we have another question in the in the q and i'll open this up for anybody that wants to take it it's very specific but how would you approach addressing social justice in a community that's mourning a fallen police officer? Um, so I'll stop and, and certainly anybody that wants to take that, the floor is yours. Well, I think from an athletic department standpoint, especially if it's local, uh, we all mourn those losses. We don't want anybody to lose, lose their lives. Uh, black lives, blue lives, all lives, matter. And so I think um, it's an opportunity to partner with police departments in those communities and across the and across the country. This is something another initiative because you need to have those synergies starting on your own campus with your own police force on campus. And sometimes you have good relationships with those people and sometimes you don't. So we have to build with that, have ride along programs, have police come in and address your student athletes. One of the things I was trying to do when I was leaving the University of Tulsa was connect with the police chief. It was the first African-American police chief in the history of that city, which a lot of people know about the, the tremendous race massacre that occurred back um, almost 100 years ago. And they're going to commemorate that coming into next year. So there's a lot of opportunity to create those synergies with the police forces. Here in this city, um, Indianapolis, there's a black police chief. And he's going to be one of the first people that I reach out to in my first 30-day plan here in Indianapolis. So I think we all we have to be sensitive to everyone. No one wants anyone to lose their lives. We need to create partnerships. We need to move forward hand in hand. All right. I think that, uh, again, I think we've got all the questions in the chat. I, I, I wanna just to go around the horn one more time if, if we could and maybe have some just wrap up thoughts from each of you before we, uh, before we end today's, uh, today's critical conversation. So Jennifer, can we get, get kicked off with you? Sure. Um, so something really to take away is be willing to step out of your comfort zone. These aren't easy topics. You're going to be uncomfortable. Be ready to be uncomfortable, whether you fall into a minority category or don't. There, it's an uncomfortable conversation to have. So be willing to step out of your comfort zone. You, as Renee mentioned earlier, know your strengths. If you get to the table or can try to get to the table, know what you can bring to the table. Know what you can showcase and how you can help. And when you're at the table, use your voice. Make your seat meaningful. Make your place meaningful. Um, so that you can actually be a voice for change and affect change. Uh, and most importantly is take care of yourself. I know it doesn't sound like it with everything that I do, but I take time for me, like you have to, whether that's take time away from the office, away from students, away from your family if you have to, but make sure you're taking time for you because you can't help anyone if you run yourself into the ground. You're no good to anyone. If you can't light a candle, if there's no wick. That's that's great information, Jennifer. Um, Derek, I'll, we'll transition to you. Well, again, I appreciate being invited to come on here. I'm transitioning, learning a lot, but I, I want to make sure that institutions, people out there know that we are a great resource for you. If you don't have a connection with the NCAA, this is a great opportunity to do so. 
There are 1,100 institutions, divisions one, two, and three. We don't just take care of the FBS or, or the Power Five. There are a lot of institutions. And so again, what we want to do when things, when we can travel is get onto your campuses. So if you, you want to connect with us, please let us know. Um, and, and I'm looking forward to this next chapter and continuing to fight the good fight from the national level. Perfect, thanks, Derek. Renee, the floor is yours. Yes, I, I will just um, end, end with one, making sure that you're in this work um, for the right reason and that you are uh, assisting the students, but also assisting your the staff that, you know, you, that we're in, in this together. And doing this work from a place of compassion and empathy and, and understanding across the board. And then finally, um, MOA, which is an organization, Minority Opportunities Athletic Association, is an excellent organization for you to be joined with, um, to be a member of. We are in the, we've been in these trenches for about 20 years. So I will say we're the premier organization um, that will can assist and help in dealing with um, this, this work. And, and we have some amazing um, leaders in that organization, and you're going to hear more about the things that we're doing, but definitely that organization, MOA, M-O-A-A, Minority Opportunities Athletic Association, is an excellent resource for you to, to reach out to as well. Can okay. I co-sign that? Is that okay? Can I, can I co-sign that? Yes. Because I'm, I'm also, I'm also a member of MOA, and, and it's, abs there's no, I, I would, I try not to miss the convention every year when we were having the conventions because there's so much information you can get, so many connections you can make, um, and so much you can learn. But also for the communicators out there, the communications professionals, there's BC SIDA. So don't, don't be afraid to reach out to the leadership of BC SIDA. I know Denise is on this. Um, <laughs> you can reach out to, to them. And I would recommend that you also join that as an opportunity to have um, workshop or just connectivity to other people in the business. Well, thanks. I, I can't I can't be more thankful to have had the opportunity to get to to spend some time with with Jennifer, Derek, and Renee. And I look forward to those relationships continuing. Selfishly, y'all are going to be hearing from me for sure. Um, we'd like to thank everybody for joining today's webinar, especially our presenters. Um, for their discussion and, and insights. Um, and and it's, it's critical that we continue these important webinar series. Again, you can access this on demand later this afternoon on cosida.com as well as Cosida's YouTube channel. It'll also be in podcast format. On-demand options are free of charge. And we encourage you to check out the professional development webpage for the schedule of upcoming webinars and podcasts. And there's Bo putting that, uh, that schedule up. Um, thanks again for your continued support of COSIDA and joining us today. Hope you guys have a great rest of the afternoon and a great rest of the week. Yeah. Thank you. Bye.